Good morning from Stanford Christian Church. My name is Pastor Jeremy, and today we want to wish everyone a happy Mother's Day. Does your family pass down any heirlooms from one generation to another? Jewelry, watches, guns, art, furniture, books, land, recipes are all common to pass from parents and grandparents to their children. These we do on purpose. But what about the things we don't even think about that we're passing on? Habits, traditions, viewpoints? Generally, children carry on the characteristics of their parents. I have two sons who I love very much and who can infuriate me unlike anyone else. Sometimes when they've done something that upsets me, talking to my wife or my mother just makes things worse. They say, he's just like you. My mom often has a story that illustrates the truth. Now, sometimes I notice them saying things that I say or doing things the way that Tiffany or I do them. So I eat ketchup on grilled cheese, and apparently that's not normal. You know why I do that? Because my dad did that. Children both inherit and learn things from their parents. Today, in honor of mothers that God used to impact our lives for him, we look at the greatest thing a mother or any person can pass on to another, faith in Jesus. We read from 2 Timothy 1, 3-7. I am grateful to God, whom I worship with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did. But I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. For this reason, I am reminded, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give you a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Paul writes this letter to his younger friend and apprentice, Timothy, who in another letter he calls his child in the faith. Timothy had accompanied Paul on some of his journeys, planting and strengthening churches. Then Paul sent him to lead some of them and frequently instructed him through these letters. Paul was a mentor to Timothy and loved him dearly. He is grateful for Timothy and proud of his work for the gospel. Now, I know some of you can identify with Paul here. You're proud of the kids that you helped raise, whether they're your biological children or not. As Paul writes this, he sits in a prison in Rome for preaching Jesus. He longs to see Timothy and even recalls Timothy's tears when they last parted, perhaps when Paul was carried off to a Roman prison. These two share a deep connection. And Paul is hoping that Timothy will come to visit. In chapter 4, verse 21 of this letter, Paul writes, Do your best to come before winter. However, Timothy will not make it before Paul is killed for his faith. The same faith Timothy now carries. As Paul gives thanks for Timothy, he remembers his sincere faith. Timothy trusted God in every part of his life, and it showed he used him to start and strengthen several churches in many different cities. He faced real dangers, and he had been faithful. Listen to what he writes again in verse 5. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. Lois and Eunice passed the faith to their son and grandson. It's not that Timothy got credit for his mother and grandmother believing 
or that faith passed on passively like hair or eye color. Instead, they labored to teach an example to their family the faith of Jesus, and it was plainly seen in the way they lived. And as a result, Timothy believes deeply in Jesus. Paul reminds Timothy of his spiritual forebears, his grandmother and his mother and Paul himself. Today, my goal is to remind you to give thanks for those who impacted you and urge you to pour Jesus into other people, especially young people. We visit this topic today because it is Mother's Day, but it is a charge to all of us. Invest in people, especially young people. While the responsibility of discipling young people starts with parents and grandparents, it doesn't end there. Paul as a non-family mentor played a role in growing Timothy's faith. Aunts, uncles, neighbors, teachers, coaches, friends, there are all sorts of different relations that invest in raising our young people. You have a variety of different family dynamics in this room and listening. Step-parents, single-parents, split homes, and people with no children at all. No matter what your dynamic, know that God has a unique role for you to play in pouring Jesus into the lives of other people. In verse 6, Paul writes, For this reason I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give you a spirit of cowardice, rather power, a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Paul speaks specifically of the prayers that he prayed over Timothy with hands laid on him. Most specifically, he may be referring to the day he ordained Timothy for the work of the gospel in the churches. Laying on of hands may have been a single event, but it references the larger role Paul played in Timothy's spiritual growth. Eunice and Lois passed the faith to Timothy and then Paul and continued their work of pointing him to Jesus and his role in ministering to God's people. I love how Paul says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, talking about himself and Apollos, who's another church leader in the early church. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. We all have different roles to play. The one thing you can't do is nothing. You don't have to do everything, as long as we all do something. Paul wants Timothy to rekindle the faith. Eunice and Lois and himself uh, taught the young man. In the end, the flame, his life in Jesus, is his responsibility. Paul doesn't address Lois and Eunice to rekindle Timothy. It is his choice. Listen closely because this is important. We are responsible for how we invest in our children. They are responsible for what they do with it. For some listening today, you need to take responsibility of your own faith. It was shared with you from someone else, but that's it. You're simply warmed by someone else's fire. Your faith has grown colder. Maybe it never burned in the first place. Take responsibility for your faith and your relationship with Jesus, and don't settle for a second-hand relationship with Jesus. Take responsibility for yourself and hear Paul's word, rekindle your faith and enjoy its heat and light and spread it to others. An untended fire eventually becomes smoldering ash. Honor your mothers and your spiritual parents, whether blood-related or not, by tending the flame and fanning it and feeding the faith in your life through spiritual disciplines like prayer and Bible study and gathering with the church. Paul goes on to tell us why the benefit of rekindling the results of a faith in our lives. 
Verse seven, he says, for God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather of a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Through the faith passed on by our spiritual ancestors, we are restored to God and given the Holy Spirit who grows fruit in our lives. In this passage, he specifically mentions three, power, love, and self-discipline. First, the Spirit gives power through faith. God uses the word power as the opposite of fear. Our faith trusts God. It trusts that he is good and loves us and will care for us and see us through, and it trusts that he is powerful and sovereign and he can do all he promises. There's no enemy or force that can hinder him. We live boldly, confidently, and courageously, not because I can overcome, but because he fights for me. I can confidently and joyfully cross the lake. Not because I have the ability to go across on my own, to swim it, but because I am confident in the ability of a boat to get me across. I know it will float and the motor will work, and I have no doubt I will reach the other side. My confidence, boldness, and courage are not based on my own strength or abilities, but in Jesus's. Next, through our faith, the Spirit of God grows love in us. The love of Christ is not just a feeling, an attraction, or a fondness. It is a desire for the good of people that culminates in serving them. Love is given as the only absolute command in the way of Jesus. When asked about the greatest command, Jesus says to love God with everything you have and then to love others as yourself. Love is to put the interest of others, their needs and well-being before yourself and to act on it. He then says all the law and the prophets hang on these two, meaning everything else in the Bible teaches you how to do these two things. So if you are understanding any teaching of Jesus in a way that doesn't love, then you are misunderstanding. Because love for God and one another is the absolute command. All other principles of the way of Jesus are founded upon. In John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus says, I give you a new command that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. You love one another. The third growth he urges is self-discipline. Take control of your thoughts and actions to be able to direct them towards God. The first step is realizing that you have the ability to control your thoughts and focus in any situation. You are not captive to your fears, angers, anxieties, and temptations. Instead, take control. Focus your minds on Jesus, who he is, and how he's working in you. You don't have to be a victim of your circumstances or the oppression of others. They don't touch your mind, your spirit, who you are. You always have control over that. Take control. You are free to direct yourself toward God and follow his ways. These works of the Spirit show us some of the outcomes of the faith we pass on. So now I want to give you three areas to invest in other believers and to encourage them to walk in the Spirit of God. First, example and teach spiritual disciplines. You don't have to be perfect, but children that don't see their adult role models pray, read Scripture, serve people, and go to church— are probably not going to think they're very important either. You must show them that you believe what you claim to believe. Second, encourage them. Biblical teachings about pointing people to Jesus are always described as gentle, kind, and loving, not harsh, sarcastic, or downgrading. 
Show them the way of Jesus instead of trying to get them to Jesus using means that are contrary to his ways. Be patient with them. Meet them where they are and just try to get them to make a step in the right direction, to go to Jesus in some way and trust him to meet them there. Third, support our children's and youth programs here at church. These ministries are important and we focus heavily in these areas. We want to help kids know and follow Jesus and believe that is an essential ministry for every church to invest in. We have big opportunities to serve in nursery, junior church. Our VBS planning is underway. We'll have some sign-ups going out soon. If you'd like to work in any of these, tell me and I'll get you to the appropriate leader and contact you. Today, I want to conclude with the teaching of the psalmist to God's people concerning their children. Psalm 78, starting in verse 1. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a decree in Jacob and appointed the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and rise up and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Thank you so much for listening to Stanford Christian Church today. Once again, my name is Pastor Jeremy. I want to encourage you to visit our website, www.stanfordchristianchurch.com. There you can click on the Contact Us tab and let us know you're listening, how we can pray for you and serve you. You can also click on the Give to be able to give to our ministry and support what we do. You can also find out about uh, next steps, about how you can serve, better serve Jesus and uh, specifically those spiritual disciplines. The other thing you can click on is the next or the first time. It'll give you some information about your first time visiting. We start at 1050 every Sunday morning. We're right on Main Street in Stanford, Kentucky, right next to the courthouse. And we would love to see you any Sunday at 1050 a.m. Also, mark down on your calendar, we will have our Vacation Bible School this coming summer, June 20th through the 23rd. So that's June 20th through the 23rd, 6 to 8 p.m. Have a great week. Love God, love others, and tell somebody about Jesus.